you've fallen down the rock and roll rabbit hole. Welcome back once again to Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole. It's uh, well, it's Thursday night in Louisville, it's Kentucky. Always Thursday night at Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole. <laughs> it is. We're caught in a loop. <laughs> I'm Kevin Gibson, and I'm Butch Bays, and we are happy to be back again. And we've got a, a very special song from our childhoods yeah. that we're going to talk about today. The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. It really took us on a ride as youngsters, didn't it? It's and then a, it went to then sunk to the bottom. Do you think story songs like this, like epic, you know, adventure and tragedy, feed the souls of young boys? You know. And, well, I mean, how often do we write story songs? A lot. Well, I guess I think this true. is a song that probably played into our fascination. <laughs> you know, the '70s had a lot of cool story songs. Uh, true. You know, Wildfire and Run, Joey, Run, and. Oh, you know, yeah. The streak. I mean, come on, the streak. <laughs> the streak. <laughs> I actually qualifies. heard. I heard uh, Ray Stevens mentioned this week the streak. Uh, that that song went to number one. That's crazy. Number I remember one. when it was popular. It was on every radio it station. It was, and streaking was very popular. It was. I never did it personally. You Just didn't do like any streaking. From the, like from the shower to my bedroom, sometimes I would do it. <laughs> Does that? Does that qualify as, as streaking? No, nah, I wasn't really on the street or in public. <laughs> my parents didn't care anyway. Oh, my God. That's so great. <laughs> so Gordon Lightfoot, the man, yes. the myth. The legend. The legend. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's do the uh, opening ceremonies. Yes. Uh, never again will we pair a beer so well with a song as we have this week. <laughs> great Lakes Brewing Company, Edmund Fitzgerald Porter. It's a tribute. It's got the the ship, the uh, ill-fated ship, right yeah, on. And that's the, actually what the ship looks like. <laughs> yeah, it's right. It's right that. on the label it's here. Right so. on the label. Yeah. If you look Pretty up cool. uh, pictures of the Edmund Fitzgerald, it's exactly what it looks like. So. So I would say no better brewery to do this uh, this uh, beer than uh, Great Lakes Brewing. Uh, how <laughs> right? did you find it? I mean, I, I didn't well, know we could get it around here. The bridge had it, and I think it was available at, uh, you know, uh, oh, whatever the wine store is. I in so the rarely see yeah. it. Total Wine or something. So, ah. I was very happy to get a hold of it. I, as you know, I grabbed it very early in the process. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd be drinking Miller Lite again. Here, we can drop the cap here. A little sound there effect. There you go. All right, All let's right. see what let's this looks like. These up and these nice this tulip is glasses. Murky as Lake Superior, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It's midsummer. We're drinking this dark porter. Well, sorry, it's, porters yeah. are easy to drink. <laughs> porters are happy beers. But people can consume this podcast all fall, which will fit this a little more in all winter. That's true. This is a November song, so I think that'll work. Uh, That's very true. Well. It's a November song and a November beer. That's right, man. Mmm, smell that chocolatey. Chocolatey. Oh, yeah. A little toasty. It's been a while since I've had that. I Good. love it. Yeah, a little, little bit roasty. See, there a little you bit go. of caramel in there. Oh, mama. Yeah. We might have to have two That's of these fine. tonight. So I have one of these beers like about once a year, and I actually do think of the crew of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I think of it as a little toast to those guys. It's at least yeah. probably we can do. 29 men down. Yeah. No yep. product Cheers placement. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Who have suffered since then. Sad, sad. So we're not paid to uh, drink Edmund Fitzgerald on we are camera. Not. We just do it because we like it. We do it because we like it. But perhaps I should uh, email a link to this episode to the PR team. <laughs> I think Maybe it would be not? great. They'll bury it in a vault so deep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they will. <laughs> They'll be like, 
Thanks anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so before we get to the great Canadian Gordon Lightfoot, I think there was something else that that caught your attention well, this we're week. Tell the tape first. Oh, I love it. Then we're gonna. All right. As I said, before we get to the thing that interested <laughs> right. you this week, let's get to the tale of the tape. The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald is a 1976 hit song written and performed by Canadian singer-songer Gordon Lightfoot. Singer-songer. Yeah, that's going to be a new thing. I'm going to coin that. (laughs) (laughs) Singer-songer. Gordon Lightfoot to commemorate the sinking of the ill-fated SS Edmund Fitzgerald uh, on Lake Superior on November 10th, 1975. Uh, Lightfoot drew inspiration from a Newsweek article on the event. The Cruelest Month, it was called, which it published in its November 24th, 1975 issue. He considers this song to be his finest work, and it is fine work. So, Appearing originally on the 1976 album Summertime Dream, the single version hit number one in Canada on November 20th, 1976, barely a year after the yeah. disaster. I mean, Crazy, yeah. think of how long it took for the movie Titanic to, you know, be the yeah. number one movie. <laughs> Hun- a hundred, uh, almost a hundred years. Yeah. In, the uni- <laughs> in the United States. That's a good point. Yeah. In, uni- in the United States, it reached number two for two the weeks. The Edmund Fitzgerald was barely even wet when the song came it out. It was barely. Bar- <laughs> <laughs> God, this is the problem I knew we were going to have tonight. It's like, how much levity can you have in, the, right, in such in a dark, story, horror dark, dark tale? Story. In the United States, it reached number two for two weeks in the Billboard Hot 100 behind Rod Stewart's Tonight's the Night. It couldn't take over Tonight's the Night. We'll, uh, we'll revisit that shortly. Yeah, a, l- a little happier song about, you know, kind of... Uh, Rod's proclivities. It became uh, Mr. Lightfoot's second most successful single behind only the song Sundown, if you remember that one. Yeah, there was another, he had another hit. He did, uh, uh, If You Could Read My Mind. Yeah, was a I'll always beautiful, like that song. Beautiful oh, melody. Beautiful. Uh, overseas, it was at best a minor hit, peaking at number 40 in the UK singles chart. Uh, the song rose to number nine on the U.S. Easy Listening chart and uh, number 50 on the Hot Country Singles. Wow. <laughs> Hot Country Singles. Talk about crossing genres. Yeah, he was just, he owned the world at the time. He was having a good run there, so. Yeah, and now he looks like a cadaver, but he's still playing. You know, he, he. He's still kicking, man. There's a saying, like, that, that people might stay at the party a little too long. And I, I wonder about him, but he seems... He has a uh, inner glow to him still. Yeah. I think he a, still a, seems to love what he he's does. He's in his 80s now. Yeah. He's scheduled to be at the Lexington Opera House in September. I mean, good for that guy. And I'm good looking I'm looking at those tickets because I don't know, it's the last obviously probably one of the last rounds yeah. he will if you make. You need someone to go with you. I might go. Okay, good. <laughs> so, before we get into the song, talk to me. So, I, someone on my Facebook feed shared video of the first two hours of MTV and and I've watched I've watched it and it's fascinating because this goes back to and this is part of why this show exists we uh, have a song about MTV in our band I think we mention music television on every episode so far perhaps probably yeah uh, of yeah. course yes so I've watched the, it was actually two hours and 20 minutes so the, the video is titled the, the very first two hours of MTV and nice. I will in the in the if you're listening in the show notes, I will link to this if you want to watch if you haven't seen it yet. Um, but I've watched and like their their catalog was so limited 
There have been like yeah. four Pretenders videos. Really? Four or five Pat Benatar split ends. Split ends. A lot of stuff that I've never. That's a band I haven't considered. Never before. heard of before. Right, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But one of the one of the videos I saw was for a song called "Bluer Than Blue" by Michael Johnson. I have that single. I bought that single when I was in middle school. Is like, it, like the Johnson Five. Johnson Michael Five. Johnson? Yeah, okay, sure. Tito Johnson had a couple singles back then. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh man. But I never knew there was a video for that song. I never. I mean, I've known that song for so long. Yeah. I knew all. I mean, I was watching. I was. I was like singing along. I knew all the words because I had wow. the singles as a kid. Yeah, but there, I think there's a lot, a lot of Rod Stewart, a lot of Rod, a man. lot yeah. of Rod. I think uh, I, here's what yeah. I learned from okay. watching that. <laughs> oh I, no! A man can only watch so many Rod Stewart videos alone on his couch before it starts to feel a little creepy. <laughs> Rod is particularly creepy. Is there's he? just something creepy about it. And I was sitting there yeah. by myself on the couch watching. I'm like thinking. Is anyone watching? I don't this? think you're the target audience for the I am not. videos. Yes. Yeah. R- Rod, yeah, like I say, I mean, you know, this uh, Tonight's the Night song, you know, it's just boy, I don't know. He yeah. he's really got his thing. Hey Butch, do you think I'm sexy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a really But a good lot song. of it was like stuff I'd never heard. It was a song called Sailing. And the whole thing is him on a boat licking his lips. Oh. It was just so creepy. <laughs> So yeah, I'm oh, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Rod Stewart. I'm sorry. Man. Interestingly, the last video that, that I watched the end of it today, the last video was Rock Pile. Oh, nice, yeah. And it was with them Dave Edmonds and, and crew. Yeah, yep, sure. Dave Edmonds, uh, Nick Lowe, right. And it was them with uh, uh, Robert Plant. Oh, nice! Wow, a live version of Little Sister, which I remember seeing that on MTV years and years ago. Wow. Was it WTBS? Was it Night? Flights, night flight, yeah, yeah. They showed it a lot, so I've I've seen that night video a million tracks. times. Night tracks, okay. night tracks. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> but it was that the MTV showed it first. Cool. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, boy, was I mesmerized by early MTV and watching oh those first gosh. two hours. It's a that's a time capsule and a, and a really a. a, a a watershed moment for music yeah. and you know and and the, the legend was true pop the, culture the first song was video killed the radio star by the buggles so well placed yep. right perfect it's insane it's kind of a it's a, clunky though it's, it's clunky. a bold way to come in out. and out of the videos is clunky <laughs> and like they they cut to mark goodman he was the first vj on the air i wondered about that yeah he was the first one and they would they would come back to him and he would just sit there and stare at the camera because really? nobody was like they, they were they didn't cue him they didn't cue him right <laughs> He would just sit there for like five seconds and just stare into the camera. And Charming he, lad, though, Mark Good. Oh, yeah, yeah. He <laughs> totally was, you know. But, like, I'd forgotten the early tagline was, you'll never look at music the same way again. But I Whoever it. came up with that. Yeah, it's clever. <laughs> it was perfect. It was. Because we never did. Yeah, we never thought of looking never, at music. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> so, in case you tuned in to uh, watch us en- or listen to us enjoy this beer and talk about the... The, uh, wreck of the, the sad, yeah, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. We're going to turn the page to that. Um, Bob Dylan said, when he hears a Gordon Lightfoot song, he wishes it would never end. Oh wow! And he almost got his wish on this song. Well, that's six and a half minutes. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I meant to look up today to see how it ranks compared to, like, say, Hotel California, uh, Stairway to Heaven. I don't know how yeah. long those songs it's are. Six thirty-nine. That's pretty. That's up it's there. It's a pretty stout. It's up there, like in 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 American Pie. 
Yeah, yeah, it's getting in Arena, that territory, you know. isn't it? <laughs> well, what's funny is that I literally was this week years old when I when I discovered that the song doesn't even have a chorus. Oh, it doesn't have a chorus. Oh, it does not. There's no chorus. It mentions the name Edmund Fitzgerald three times, three times. I believe, yep. and no chorus, no bridge. And it's no, it's it's it literally it's seven four line verses interspersed with musical interludes. Interesting. That's it. You, yeah. And it's I mean I I would have. I would have sworn in court that there was a, a big chorus. <laughs> I should have bet you ten American dollars. Oh, no, <laughs> or at least some rubles or, or, or francs. No, it would have been Canadian. Canadian quarters. Quarters, yeah. <laughs> But like, it's interesting because like I would have sworn, and like when it goes to the the, the long interludes, I, I feel like I'm hearing "Cats in the Cradle" should be there. It really reminds me of that song. It is somewhat like that in a sort of, yeah, a wistful kind of, but it, uh, yeah. But it also sounds like a, an Irish drinking song, and that's where... It was taken from, yeah, yes. From, uh, yeah, from some Irish song you heard when he was just a, like a toddler, like a child. And You know, I, what I noticed that, like, while we're on the subject of I, the Irish kind of Irish dirge or whatever this was taken dirge, from. Dirge, yeah, that's what yeah. called it. <laughs> dirge. But uh, I noticed he, he had a lot of those... Like uh, the words like uh, stealing, coming, yeah, uh, you know, like slashing, freezing. Yeah. So that sort of harkens to an Irish kind of sensibility yep. too. Uh, so I think the whole song has a sound of an ancient, maybe 1700s, yeah. 1600s Irish tune. And when I first heard it, I assumed this was of a tragedy that took place 100, maybe 200, 300 years ago. Did you ever feel that way when you heard it? I didn't think of it that way, but yes, you're right. So I noticed the way this song progresses, it's well, very repetitive. The melody repeats, yep. right? What were we going to say? It, it, but the thing is, part of why it's it's enchanting, it's, it's eerie, but it's very. also poppy. You know, enough. It also yeah. pays off enough that that you, know, you, you expect when he goes to the high note at the end of the verse... Right, it it makes sense and it gets you to the next thing. That's the variation, is the one yep, I know. That one Otherwise, I know. the melody repeats and repeats. But what's weird is it's like it's like this weird out of sync rhyme scheme. I think it's oh. A B C B, and then it goes to A B A B. Oh, and then sometimes it has rhymes in the in the third line of the verse. It'll be there'll be a, a rhyme in the third line, but it's not consistent. Oh, so to me that makes it a little more eerie. Less predictable and more interesting. Oh, I, n- I never even so realized. If you go back yeah. and listen to it. Think about the the rhyme scheme. It doesn't. It's not consistent at all. Really, I had no idea. I knew he had some unorthodox rhymes yeah. in it, uh, like he rhymed uh, Fitzgerald with peril. Which yeah. is it's close. Yeah, it's, it's close, close enough. <laughs> it's close enough. Uh, cathedral with Fitzgerald at one point at the towards the end. Yeah, he was but, stretching. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, in this six minutes, I don't really feel like he wasted a lot of time. These are beautiful verses. He told a story. He, and it was in you know, what's what's interesting to me is that it's it's one of those one of those songs that he tells the history, but he also takes little bitty artistic little artistic you know, like so when he, <laughs> he quotes the cook. Yes. Saying, telling the crew, it's been good to know you. That been was glad really, you. really Of course, good, he yeah. wasn't on the boat because he, he wouldn't know that. But that <laughs> added just a little bit of drama. It did. It, was, it brought it into human, human terms. And he, 
you know, the boat was bound for Detroit, but he, I think to get a rhyme or something, he said it was bound for Cleveland. Cleveland is a better a better word to sing. It, Cleveland sings it better. You know, and so <laughs> that was not the case. But the thing is, he knew that because he had done the research. Oh, true. He knew. Um, he had him in the in the Sailor's Cathedral in Detroit at the end. And he pronounces yeah. it Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. It was really interesting the way he pronounced that. Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that? Are we going to get sued? He, uh, Was I saying that? <laughs> oh, yeah. That, <laughs> we, we lost our monetization. <laughs> but uh, I, I felt like the way the, the, the uh, these verses go and the way the march kind of goes on, it, it repeats the melody over and over. But it kind of lulls you into a hypnotic uh-huh. state, I feel like, in a way. But it reminds me of waves crashing at the ocean or yeah. maybe at the Great Lakes, you know, waves Rhythm- crash. Yeah. It's rhythmic like that. Yeah. And, it, and it reminds me of almost, I thought today for a moment, and I think this is maybe a stretch, but it reminded me of like a funeral procession in a way. It kind of marches on. It just marches slowly and sadly yeah, through the whole song. Interestingly appropriate. Um, I, I forgot to make a point that I want to get back to. Good. Uh, it was nominated for Song of the Year for the Grammys. Oh, uh, yeah? And it was, was, beat, it? Oh. it was beaten up by Barry Manilow's I Write the Songs. Uh, yeah, I did kind and of that makes across. me want to break things so <laughs> much. I mean, I really... Not think, a fan of I Write the Songs? I or? think... Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> and he didn't even write that. So one of the Beach Boys Maybe it has a bridge. One of the Beach Boys wrote that song. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a true Whoa, story. Look I had no idea. But it's like, I feel like America's gone downhill since that moment. Oh, you think that was it? Since Gordon Lightfoot lost to to that, that was the one song. moment. <laughs> and also, it was you said it was held out of the number one spot by Rod Stewart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but 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 the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald is a far superior song. If you'll pardon, the it has pun. a lot more weight, right? A lot more it's weight. That's why it sank twenty six thousand tons. But I, <laughs> sorry. I'm, well, too far with the with the bad puns. I think it's fine, but I think that people <laughs> people three hundred years from now will know of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald because of this song. There have been six thousand shipwrecks in the Great Lakes in history. And that's the most recent one, right? And it's they say it's the most recent. How can it be the most recent? Well, in the, the most seven? recent with that sort of loss of life. Maybe? I suppose. Yeah, I, don't I know. suppose. But anyway, it's. I think it, it it gave these men sort of it 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 lent it lent some meaning to their loss or some kind of uh, yes. And that brings me to the point that which I'm sure that you you in your and folks we don't compare notes before we get on the air. We, we, do, we not. do not. We just yeah. come to this blind so that we can actually have a discussion. So oh, right. <laughs> so I'm sure that you came across this too. But what I find really fascinating is that. What inspired him to write the song was the fact that it wasn't big news at the time. Oh, I don't think it was outside of maybe like the Great Lakes region. Right. I don't think it, you know, yeah. Which this would, today, this would be a huge thing. It would be all over media. You know? Right, true. In 1975. Oh, in it November, would be 24-7 right now, yeah, yeah, In November something. 1975, it was it barely made the radar. And, um you know, because he so he read it, and you, I think you saw this in your notes. He read it in a, a magazine or a Newsweek magazine. He read it in Newsweek, and and I peaked. Yeah, I peaked. Uh, no, no, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> the the actual uh, story in Newsweek actually had stuff like the legend lives on from the Chippewa and down about the you know it was almost 
verbatim the the lake they call Gichigumi was even yeah. in there yeah. and the uh, line the lake it is said never gives up her dead came from that article which I thought was That's amazing. crazy like how what that? A, I mean what a brilliant thing to do for the song because oh. he recognized good writing why oh. redo it when it's right there for you? Right. Him? So he grabbed it. Probably, probably should give a, a co-writing credit to whoever that reporter was. You know, I wonder about that because it, it, the the story had some poetry in it. You know, yeah. it sounded pretty poetic and pretty awesome. Uh, and it gave him a jumping off point to go on yeah. this really wild journey, which I printed the lyrics today because I'm, I'm pretty, I'm just completely impressed with his writing skills, how yeah. he turned sort of, we always talk about a police report type, yeah. you know, style into a very poetic, beautiful song. Yeah. I, I mean, watched a, there's a, a, a lyric video out there that I watched like three times. And, oh yeah. And read the lyrics and really kind of digested the song yeah. again. Cause it had been years since I've really listened to it. So what do you think of some of those lines? Like uh, Lake Huron Rose Superior sings in the rooms of her ice water mansion. That just gives me chills. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. That's beautiful. It makes me it's wish beautiful. that I could. I'm a writer by <laughs> trade and I can't do that. <laughs> you probably can, but like it's, you know, it's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, the tattletale sound I thought was interesting. Another one, yeah. I picked that out too. So, what do you think about that? Like, I don't quite understand it, but that's what I kind of like about it. You know? Well, to me, that's, that's his, his way of saying it's a foreshadowing that something's going down. Right. You know, yeah, it was whistly and, and weird. And you hear yeah. the, like, could it be the north wind that they've been feeling? So they're, they're all <laughs> yeah. sort of going, hmm, something's going on. <laughs> and they had right, it went right into it. And there's the mention that if they just put 15 more miles behind her, I know, sad. Oh, it's a, that's you know, awful. Like If they had gotten to a certain harbor, they would have been safe from the storm. I think that's the way you think about every tragedy. You think, what if just right. one if thing just had changed? Just one thing had changed, yep. Yeah. I don't know, sad, weird. But, like, I feel like the song is super foreboding, which if you want to just, like, you know, let it take you over, that's a fun kind of feeling, yeah. uh, you know, and for a song. that creepy factor if you're into the, that kind of creepy stuff like I am. Um, but it's, it's interesting that he, he really was drawn to that because he already had the melody, he already had the music, and he just didn't know what story to tell. And then he read that. And that appeared, didn't and it? And he... He in, a, in an NPR uh, interview, he said he called it uh, short shrift for such a monumental event. Right. Um, but there's another there was another account I saw him where he said that he decided to write the song. I guess after the Newsweek article, but he first saw it on Canadian news TV news. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so he, he, he was he, like he saw it like almost immediately, like three like hours a, after it happened. Three hours, yeah. right? There and you then go. He was just like, "Why isn't this being covered more?" <laughs> Which I think is fascinating. Yeah, but I feel like when he sings it, he's really feeling it. He means it. He's so earnest in it. I yeah. feel, and I think that's part of what brings it across. I think Gordon Lightfoot back in the day, uh, he he just really looked like and felt like a Marlboro man, you know, like he was such a yeah. tough looking guy with the kind of semi handlebar mustache kind of yeah. look. And he delivered this song so well. It was very majestic, you know. And there's a there's a song that I'll try to remember to to uh put in the show notes. Yeah. There's a song that was done in more recent times than the last fifteen years 
by an artist named Scott Miller, who was in a band called the V-Roys. Right. And it's called The Rain, and it's told from the point of view of a Civil War soldier. Oh. And it's very similar, and is it, it's just a story song about how things go wrong. Um, I'll, I'll try to remember to, to put that. It's nice when art kind of brings voice to to you know people that aren't around anymore yeah, you yeah. know i think it's interesting yeah that way and, and, and scott miller was a history major in college and he was like a master's in history and he focused on the civil war so you know mm-hmm. he lives in virginia interesting <laughs> well they'll always tell you it's not a state it's commonwealth oh right <laughs> well they call it kentucky commonwealth occasionally yeah. well so he always a- on stage he'll say the lord loves the commonwealth when he plays in kentucky <laughs> he always says the lord loves the commonwealth so anyway sorry kind of a fun kind of a fun thing so let's get a little bit to the to the ship itself yes so i've got a personal story to relate you know okay, sort good. Of toward near the end of this deal yes so just i took a few notes like so they the Evan Fitzgerald was was kind of caught in a in winds from ranging from thirty five to fifty two knots, yeah. and waves ranging from ten to thirty five feet high, right? And then when it was finally found, it went down, it disappeared off the radars. There was another ship that was trying to help. Yeah, the Arthur Anderson. Arthur, the Arthur Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. Arthur, I think Arthur M. Anderson or whatever. But yeah, they were following about ten miles behind. Yeah, and they were so they were trying to slow down to let the Anderson catch up. And then later it was found broken into two pieces at the bottom of the lake. But no bodies were ever found. They found rubble. They didn't find any yeah, bodies. Yeah, they found lifeboat pieces, life jackets. Yeah. No no bodies. You Hatch. know, that this line, yeah. the lake it is said never gives up her dead, yeah. but, you know, proves out to be That's true. That's exactly what he meant. But the Arthur Anderson, the Arthur M. Anderson boat uh, had a front row seat to this. They were in it. They got the 35-foot waves, you yeah. know, and they felt like they were on the way to the Fitzgerald. And I think, in a way, I think it was inconceivable that a boat like that could get torn in half and yeah. put to the bottom yeah. by, by, you and know, they still don't know what went a wrong. November storm. They don't really know what went wrong. They don't know exactly. Yeah. There was a uh, there's a line in the thing that the, the main hatch broke loose or the main hatch broke away. Yeah. That was and one of the theories that, that someone didn't properly secure one of the hatches. So, hatch. so there was a sailor that was responsible for that, a young a young man, and uh, it was proved later that the the hatches were battened down and that one of them I think broke or failed, and so uh, there was kind of the the history was revised on that, and uh, uh, Gordon uh, he he changed the lyrics, yeah, and, and he the, sings it live now. He sings, he changes the lyric. What was it now? It's a uh, it used to be. At 7 p.m., a main hatchway caved in. He said, fellas, it's been good to know you. He changed it. At 7 p.m., it grew dark. It was then said, fellas, it's been good to know you. Uh, That brought relief to a mother and daughter of crew members that were in charge of uh, manning the hatches, you know? I mean, I guess when... uh, Gordon's walked into a few controversies in this song. I guess when you're dealing with a true story of this magnitude there's some touchy that was underreported it can get touchy sure it was (laughs) underreported you know but yeah i could see that i mean with the families why do they want to hear this on the radio a year later (laughs) that that their loved one their father their brother their sister well not sister there were no women but you know died yeah and they had to hear it in hot rotation there you know (laughs) i mean that's rough man right behind uh you know rod stewart and I'm still mad about that. Anyway, so of the 29 men who who perished that day, 
Most were from Ohio and Wisconsin. Yes. They were just regular American dudes. Yep. Ages ranged from 20 to 63. Captain McSorley was the captain of the boat. He yep. was 63. Yeah. And the watchman, uh, Carl Peckel, was 20. Right. I think they... So I was reading that... So the last words that came to the, the, the Arthur Anderson was that we are holding our own. That's the last thing they heard. That's a majestic last words, isn't it? Because he had he held out hope to the very end. God, just just gives me chills, yeah. man. It gives me goosebumps just to think of this story. It just it couldn't be more sort of Shakespearean and everything. Yeah. It's just like such a man versus nature, like just the heaviest, heaviest rough story, you know. But yeah. I don't know. It's uh, well in the in the song yeah. he the quote is uh, we're taking on water. Yeah. Which was one of his first calls to the Anderson. Right. You know, so the, the one that everyone... They had always, a list, they said, like it was a yeah. lean to... The one that uh, always is quoted is, we're holding our own, but but Gordon Lightfoot quoted one of the earlier ones, we're taking on water. Yeah. I guess he couldn't work that into the into the song, which would have been amazing. <laughs> it would have been a good... Yeah. It would have been a good line. But uh, I, he did a masterful job of it. I just think it's beautiful. I listened to it today. And part of my uh, thought process in listening to it uh, today was to see, do I get bored? Does it feel like it goes on too long? And it really doesn't. No, it really doesn't. The instrumentals you, were very... Caught in the, once you get caught in the story, the instrumentals are just like building tension. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're kind of like, they help paint the picture somehow. The, the sound of those guitar parts... Um, they kind of fill in some kind of color to the song and yeah. really it uh, serves the as the story chorus forward. in a way which is what I mentioned earlier oh. it kind of serves as the chorus that's that's a that's brilliant leaving it leaving it blank just builds attention you know you know that is maybe oh I think that's talking to a jerk you know well apparently <laughs> <laughs> but the the haunting lead guitar was Performed by Terry Clements. He died at age 63, but uh, boy, did he leave his mark with that lead performance. It's beautiful. he did. I thought he varied it up enough to keep the song kind of buoyant, uh, for for lack of a better better term. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a lot of of puns in this show. (laughs) We're going to go back and be like, oh, man, we really did a good job. (laughs) Maybe so. Well, did you see one of the theories was a rogue wave theory? Did you see that? Yeah, we, the, the three sisters phenomenon that happens on Superior. Whoa, three sisters! I so, love so that. So there's a, apparently what happens on Superior sometimes in big storms is that there will be one big wave followed by a second bigger wave, and then the third wave is gigantic. Right. So there was a three sisters phenomenon reported in the area that day. Well, the Arthur Anderson said they call like a lot of the um, the captains. I noticed they call. Uh, they call uh, a big wave a big sea. They oh, say, yeah, I yeah, took big two sea. big seas of 35 foot. It's the biggest seas I've ever, you know, saw. That was, uh, uh, what was the name of that pilot? Um, I had it down here somewhere. Dead air. Dead, Dead air. air. Well, edit this out. It'll all be gone. It'll all be gone. <laughs> uh, Bernie Cooper. Oh, yeah, Bernie yeah, Cooper yeah. has yeah, given yeah. A, a really uh, first-hand telling of this story. And he said he had two 35-foot seas come across his deck, and he felt like they caught up with the uh, 
you know, with the uh, the Edmund Fitzgerald, and that you know probably is what did it in. So I'll, the three sisters makes them sound even spookier yeah, somehow. It's kind of ghostly sounding, you know. Yeah. So man, I I'm just I'm happy that that Gordon like gave the you know these guys a, a the, yeah. the 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 most. Uh, the greatest epitaph. He, you know. he made a tragic event that was overlooked into something that will never be forgotten. Because music is forever. They live now in legend, yeah. you know, because of this song in the most part, you know. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I, w- I wanted to tell a little story here oh, that yeah, I thought was in personal thing. Well, I've, I've got, got the personal thing. But uh, Gordon Lightfoot was set to meet Elvis. Elvis recorded really? one of his songs. I can't remember which one, but he he got to uh, he got to go to uh, a uh, an Elvis show. I think it was in Detroit, actually. And uh, uh, he was supposed to go backstage after the show, and he had a little group of people that were going to go with him to meet Elvis. And of course, it's a big deal for any, any musician yeah. to meet Elvis. And at the end of the show, eighteen thousand people were leaving the arena as he was heading upstream to try to to get backstage and he said when he was almost to the you know the, the area that where they needed to be he heard on the pa elvis has left the building oh my god so it took him so long to try to fight through the crowd oh my god. and he never got to meet elvis oh, that's awful. <laughs> i thought that was crazy another funny story he said he heard his death notice on the radio while he was in a cemetery <laughs> So, wow! I, don't I did know not what, find either of these stories. That's, I don't know what year that was. I saw this in an interview. Fantastic! He so said the he rumors went, of his death have been greatly exaggerated. Greatly exaggerated. But uh, we need to check on him, by the way. By the end yeah. Of the but anyway, he uh, check on himself at that point. <laughs> yeah. He he drove to the radio station to report that he was still alive. So I thought that was kind of fun. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's something I, I would totally do that. Huh? Oh, totally do that. Oh, go to the if station. If like one of the local news stations said the local local author and writer Kevin Gibson has died, I would like, drive right there and go. Um. And they'll say we interrupt this program because <laughs> the ghost of Gordon Lightfoot just walked in the door. Yep. But anyway, uh, uh, I wrote a really bad joke about this that Tommy Lee said that this song was about Motley Crue. <laughs> That's you, awesome. <laughs> so bad. Uh, but anyway, so now I'm a, do, do, <laughs> sorry that caught me off guard. Uh, uh, yeah, folks, if you if you haven't heard the last episode, you need to go listen to that. Yeah, that, 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 that will yeah. not make sense unless you do that. <laughs> uh, so, did you have anything uh, before my personal story, or do you want me to he- head? Uh, into go ahead, it? and we'll finish with my thing because okay. it's, it's just kind of an outlier. Right. Well, uh, I've got uh, three kids, and I uh, uh, always have drug at least. Them, at least, <laughs> I have three kids that I know of, and. Uh, that have lived with me, and I I always drug them up to Michigan because we were kind of on a tight budget. I sent them to private school, and and uh, so we had to do budget vacations. So we quite often ended up in Michigan, which is our favorite state to this day, you know, other than our home state, the of mitten Indiana. state, yeah, the the mitten. But anyway, speaking of the mitten, we would go up to the top, the uh, the Upper Peninsula occasionally, which is a a, a wild, lawless. It's weird, uh, wild, empty, yeah, yeah, weird, wild stuff. Yeah. It, it's like you you cross over into another whole another kind of territory. It reminds me of maybe what the outback is like in Australia, where there's you know it's it's just different like plate sized spiders and yeah that sort of thing like <laughs> gas pumps that have the numbers that click over yeah, you know the old yeah. analog <laughs> style. But anyway, uh, we were up there and we went to Whitefish Point 
in the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum where we saw the bell of the Edmund Fitzgerald, which from this song, I was so looking, you know, that's what yeah. drew me to see that. I mean, I would probably want to see it anyway if it wasn't for this song. But this gave it a little rock star right. to the thing. And uh, we got to read about the story of the Edmund Fitzgerald and all. And and so we were right there where the last known location and actually the sinking yeah. spot was One of right. the rescue helicopters left from Traverse City, right? Oh, did they? I oh, think so, yeah. That's very that. possible. I thought about you when I read that. Yeah, but we were standing right there on Whitefish Point, and I looked out in the water, and I thought about those men and that ship. You know, it was really yeah. kind of a a nostalgic moment for me, even though, you know, I didn't know them personally. From this song, I felt like I had some connection to the story. And uh, we looked in the water, and there were beautiful stones. It's not a sandy beach. It's these. There's yeah. multicolored stones about the size of... I don't know, like golf a ball. Yeah, small potato, <laughs> small potatoes, small potatoes. <laughs> golf ball is a good better. <laughs> but anyway, they're they're colorful stones, and they go nature onions. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's Lake Superior, beautiful clear water, and colder than expected. You know, so kind of part of the you know majesty of the moment. But we're looking at these stones, and we're thinking, and I thought to myself, this is a beautiful somber place but a beautiful place to be and uh, just as soon as we kind of had that thought then all of a sudden we were attacked by black flies oh i know this biting black flies it's terrible and so we the kids just started screaming and so we're running back to the the minivan of course we have the you know of course you yeah yeah the minivan and so so we have to run about a quarter mile to the minivan for shelter away from these darn flies, you know? So we got to slide the doors open and everything. It's like a scene from the birds, except it, they're it, smaller. It was very Hitchcock-esque. And we jump in the van, and once we're in there, we're so relieved we're in there. And then we notice there's two flies in the van. They made a B commercial like this I'm a couple years ago. I'm surprised only two of them got in. I know, I know. and it, but, but we were just, like, hysterical that they were in there because they really hurt. They yeah. really hurt. We had been to, to Quammen and <laughs> Falls that day, and the people working there doing mundane jobs like raking and stuff were wearing beekeeper suits, and we were uh, like, what's with the beekeeper suits? And we oh found out. God. But I actually literally... left around and found out. <laughs> yeah. But in my sort of <laughs> As like... As the kids say. Yes. The way my brain works, I actually consider the fact that it could be the spirits, angry spirits of lost seamen that, you know... Kind of like yeah. seek their revenge on or, the shores or Lake of Lake Men. Superior. Lakemen. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my little goofy story. We're not allowed to say semen on the air. <laughs> <laughs> before we wrap it this up. This is a PG. Uh, before we, <laughs> PG-13. Before we wrap it up, so the Edmund Fitzgerald gets a call out. The song gets a call out in a Seinfeld episode. In oh, it does? Yeah. Oh, nice. So um, I'm going to post a link to the scene in the show notes. But in this, in the episode, George uh, is trying to get an apartment in a building a bit much better than his apartment. He loses it to an older man who gets it because the the the, the board is sympathetic to his story that he was a survivor of the Andrea Doria. I remember that. <laughs> remember episode that? Now. Yes. Oh, terrible. So he's telling stolen his valor, friends, I guess, or something. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's literally the episode's called the Andrea Doria, but um. Elaine confuses this with the Evan Fitzgerald. She says, oh, isn't that the one they wrote the song about? When Jerry corrects her, she says, oh, I love Evan Fitzgerald's voice. 
And Jerry says, no, Gordon Lightfoot was the singer. Evan Fitzgerald was the ship. To which Elaine says, I think Gordon Lightfoot was the boat. And Jerry says, yeah. And he was rammed by the Cat Stevens. <laughs> I'm telling you, that is some... That's that, brilliant. That is really nice. So I just, when, when you brought up doing this song, I thought about that. I'm like, yeah, I've got to I've gotta mention this on the show. It's always and, nice to have a little extra pop culture yeah, reference, you know, there, to put in. For those of you who have saw that years ago and haven't watched it, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Um, I guess with that, we're probably wrapped up. We're pretty wrapped, but... 40 minutes in, I think we did a pretty good yeah. job. Keep it under an hour. I thought yeah. for sure this would be like an hour long. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think this is a tribute to the men on the Edmund Fitzgerald. 100%. And, and, and it's their also, families who are still around. Yeah. Most of them, you know. Yeah, it's a tragic tale. This is only tale. 1975, so it wasn't that long ago. It's so it's so really recent, you know, and, and it's it's a true tragedy. But Gordon's still slugging it out, man, still touring. Yeah. And, uh, you know, his voice has changed over the years. He, he At this point of his career, his voice was just amazing. And yeah. his uh, tremolo it reminded me of uh, the vibrato in his voice reminded me of Sort of like a Joan Baez type, you know, like yeah, oh, sound very trained, you know, but a but a beautiful voice. I think he's, he's just he's going to be part of the you know lexicon of of America and Canada forever, you know, and yeah. and or as long as we're going to be around at least. So and and uh, wherever he is tonight, I hope he lives to be a hundred and. Ten and and yeah, keep and singing. Here's this episode. Well, yeah, that would be all right too. <laughs> He'll sue us for sure. <laughs> Quite obviously. <laughs> all right, folks. Thanks again. I'm Kevin. This is Butch. Oh, I do have some thank yous. Thanks to Great Lakes Brewing. Yes, for, for sure. For the Edmund Fitzgerald Porter, and uh, I had another one, but I can't even remember. What what's that called when you start to forget things? You're old. My mouth keeps working while my brain stops sometimes. So <laughs> I've experienced this. I've known you for a long time. <laughs> yes. Well, we're going to pick another song, and we're going uh, to go forward. I don't even know what song yet, but you'll hear it on the next episode. Absolutely. Cheers, Butch. Cheers. They'll bury it in a vault so deep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they will. <laughs> Elvis has left the building. Oh, my.